genre. This is Agent Matt Bennett. I have been sent from the future, and I'm here to tell you that the series finale of Geek by Night is awesome. Welcome to Beyond Geek by Night, where we go behind the scenes of the Geek by Night podcast. On today's show, we'll be discussing the 38th episode, World of Tomorrow. <clears throat> oh, sorry about that, guys. Um, we're about to go beyond Geek by Night. I'm your host, Matt Bennett. I'm joined today, as always, by writer and creator Scott Corelli. Hi. Writer, executive producer, and voice of William Medina, Nick Jimenez. Hello. And voice of Gwen Allen, Ray Russo. Hey. Thanks for joining me, everybody. Uh, in episode 38, World of Tomorrow, our heroes find themselves in a radically transformed McKinney City, now filled with superpowered citizens. The episode opens with the last man's perspective, lamenting the city's new reality while he tinkers with the radio. As we journey through the city, we witness a standoff on a rooftop between our protagonists and their authoritarian doppelgangers, the Watchdogs. Meanwhile, the episode introduces a surreal twist with buildings in McKinney City mysteriously moving. Lorelai is detained and taken to the Watchdog headquarters where she confronts Billy about their past, unraveling a complex web of motivations and history. The plot thickens as Simon and his group learn from Simon's father, David, that the Watchdogs are actually clones created from their DNA. The episode culminates with Nathan's citywide broadcast, falsely labeling the underdogs as terrorists and further manipulating public perception. Ooh. <laughs> and, um, and, also, and also Charlie's a unicorn. Yes. <laughs> Which we will uh, deep dive into. There's a, a lot of... A lot of before we make it weird. <laughs> um, mm. So our little calm before the weird here. Um, so yeah, uh, Ray, I wanted to to start by chatting with you. Um, it's been a, a couple years now, actually, since I've had yeah. you on uh, Beyond Geek by Night. And um, actually, the last time that we spoke, we were kind of talking about the the end of the series and and things sort of wrapping up. But now we we truly are there i mean we are wrapping production on the final episodes and uh people are actually starting to listen to this final group so i want to start with just kind of a really broad question of like what are your thoughts on uh the series ending in general you've been part of geek by night for 15 or so years now uh playing yeah. some sort of ray russo going far back so um yeah how are you no, feeling? i think since its inception um pretty much uh it's absolutely mind-blowing to me to think about how much of my life this has has been eaten by geek by night and i say that in the best way humanly possible um that it's just kind of been this running thread in the you know sometimes in the very background because we weren't working on it actively um and i'm both really thrilled to see the culmination, to see how the story is all pulling together and just the evolution of where we came from to where we are now. But I'm also like really emotional about it. Like I definitely teared up uh, recording some of my last lines, which then didn't turn out to be my last lines because I had to do reshoots. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's this combination of being really, sad that this chapter of my life is going to be over but also so excited that it's 
at the way it's come together and just the relationships that I have made with the rest of the cast and the crew have had such a huge impact on my life. Like, I don't know if I can, what I went to Scott's wedding and a, a bunch of cast and crew were there and it was, you know, people who I'd never been in the same room with before it, it just immediate family. Mm-hmm. It was really, mm-hmm. it, this has been a truly amazing experience in my life and nothing is ever going to replace it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And, you know, uh, obviously you play Gwen Allen, um, Gwen Allen on the show. And I wanted to ask you about your sort of relationship to Gwen. You've seen Gwen go through a lot of different things. And now we're, we're seeing um, Gwen's storyline wrap up along with everybody else. Um, yeah. What are some of your favorite Gwen moments or scenes looking back uh, on, on the series that we're now 30, 30 something episodes into? It's really hard to pick. Um, I actually, I was very nervous uh, re-listening to this episode because I also had to play my evil self. And yep. I'm like, oh God, uh, how I needed to be sure. Like, I wanted, I was worried about how it was going to sound, you know, playing off of myself in some ways. And, mm-hmm. um, but it was also incredibly fun to play this evil version of, evil fascist version of Gwen <laughs> who's just completely willing to like I'm gonna drop someone off a building because you're not listening to me um <laughs> no she is like so near and dear to my heart I feel like I I don't know like she and I really grew together because I when I came into the project I was very young and still in college had no idea what I was doing had no idea who I was in many respects uh as of course you if you listen to the original episodes i am credited under a different name (laughs) (laughs) i have gone through a massive series of changes but she has still like stayed very close to me throughout all of them and there is just something about her that is you know she's very neurotic and very anxious, which is something that I identify with deeply, you know, but there is this really thoughtful core to her. She's Mm -hmm. so concerned about the people in her life and the calls that she makes to, to, to protect those people. She carries a lot of responsibility on her shoulders, maybe more than, she should necessarily take on alone sometimes. Right. Um, but yeah, no, she is just like so near and dear to my heart. I, I back during the pandemic, I dressed up as her for Halloween. I made a couple of TikTok <laughs> videos as Gwen. It was really fun. <laughs> uh, looking through to the end of the series, obviously without spoiling anything, since we're, we're just doing spoilers up through world of tomorrow, but how do you feel about, um, what Gwen is going to go through between now and, and the series finale. Do you, do you think it's a, it's a fitting end for her? You know, I was kind of surprised the first time I read it, but then the more I sat with it, the more right it felt, hmm. you know, obviously I can't give any spoilers, but I'm very happy for where she ends up in the end. Awesome. Cause <laughs> she has a lot of decisions to make. She has a lot of things to think about. A lot of it is about that, you know, her, her tendency to take on more, 
than she can necessarily handle at any given time. And I think her learning to balance her life and not drive herself crazy is, is a huge part of it. And that is its own form of character development. It's a very real form of character development mm -hmm. in all of our lives, learning to, you know, find boundaries. For sure. Uh, Scott and Nick, you guys have been writing Gwen as, as a character for a very long time now. And uh, among everybody else, her story is coming to an end. So uh, how do you feel about Gwen's arc through through the series and Gwen as a character? You know, when you're writing a series for this many years, um, I imagine, you know, the writing process evolves and uh, characters kind of change and shift over time. But uh, how do you feel about how, how Gwen's story ended up being? Portrayed. A thought that I've, I've had, I've been thinking, I've been going back, listening to the episodes while also working on the episodes. And these characters are, they're always in my head, but they're a little more uh, present than usual as of, as of right now. And one thing I really, really love about what we were able to do with the finale, without getting into spoilers, is... <laughs> the, the Scott Cass and I make a lot of jokes about, God, we had too many kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're, we're like the von traps you know they're just in this and we're editing these like minutes you know 10 minutes 15 minute long scenes and it's just because it's like you know the council of elrond there's just like so many people <laughs> but when we get to the finale when we get to the end of the show i think it's it's a big enough ensemble to where every character can kind of we gave each character the the space to make decisions to choose what they want out of their lives. And mm -hmm. I don't think the, sh the show kind of has a unified message and we'll, we'll talk about it at the end, but I really like how sometimes when you, when you watch like the, like the MCU, it's such a sprawling narrative and you like, God, I, oh, I really want Nebula to kill Thanos. That would be such a great story. <laughs> She should kill Thanos because, but it's not her story. It's Steve's story. It's Tony's story. We've decided, you know? And mm -hmm. so you make it out of the end of that story and you're like, man, they kind of shortchanged a few people I really liked because I guess it wasn't their story at the end of the day, which is kind of a bummer. And I think Geek by Night doesn't really have a lead. And right. the lead is this group of friends. And so when we get to the finale, they each are kind of like, I think I want to do this. Or <laughs> I think this is who, and I'm, I really am proud of that. They each kind of get the dignity to be like, well, this is what's best for me. Maybe it's not what's, because characters will make complete opposite decisions of, of each other. With, with, yeah, with Gwen, I'm just so, again, without getting into spoilers, but like even, even, even up to this final season, I'm just, I'm really proud of how, They've grown as characters, how the performers have grown as actors and can handle the nuance. And I don't know, you can really feel those 15 years in in their voices and all, all of the actors of just like how comfortable they are playing these characters at this point. Sure. Um, speaking of some of these other characters, Nick, uh, I wanted to talk about Billy for a little bit. Sort of, sort of the same question. Um, you know, Billy is a character who, from, from our perspective, has changed significantly throughout the series. When we first saw him, he was just sort of Max Carmichael's lackey following along. And uh, now he's really at the center of, of the, the end game of the series here. Uh, looking back, what are some of your favorite Billy moments or scenes? And this could be from the perspective of a writer or an actor, because you, you have the, the unique um, 
dual responsibility of of both creating and living as Billy. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really good at compartmentalization. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I I am able Can to I, like when Hold I'm, on, wait, wait, wait. Can I tell <laughs> a story? I don't remember please, please. I don't remember which part of this arc that we're in that this happened. I might have been this episode, but there was there was a line that we had written and <laughs> Everything was fine. Like, we love the script. Like, you know, let's put it out. And then Nick goes to record it. And he was, like, having an existential crisis while trying to get through this Billy line. And he was just like, this this line? Why? Who wrote? Why did we write this? Why? Like, he's, like, losing his mind. And he's so mad. (laughs) And it was like, uh, and it's just like, you know, just a good, good way of showing the compartmentalization between writer Nick and actor Nick being two completely different people. (laughs) And, and then to add like a third layer, you know, I'm directing my last episode and I'm like, I'm going through it. And I'm just, I'm I'm never more critical of Nick the writer than when I'm not writing. Uh (laughs) And so I'm editing a Billy scene and sure enough, there is a scene where I'm like, and in order to turn off the, but got the, what the am I saying? <laughs> what is this bullshit? What the fuck were we thinking? And then editor Nick is like, yeah. <laughs> Tell him, actor Nick. <laughs> but then, you know, you hear it and you're like, oh, it's fine. It totally, it works. It just, you know, you're, you're your own harshest critic. Um, but I think, I mean, anytime Billy's such like a guarded character mm-hmm. and he plays himself. He plays his, his card so close to the chest that anytime you really get him to be vulnerable and exposed, it's really interesting. So his, his scenes with Lorelai in this mm-hmm. were really fun to to perform and direct. Um, this is such a minor scene, but I, I keep coming back to that scene that he has with Charlie in Supermax, where they have like an argument, and he's like you know, get out of here. Like, you don't have any authority. Like, I'm going to do whatever I want. And Charlie's like, you know what? I don't need this guy. I'm going to betray this guy. And that is like a microcosm of, to me as an actor, I'm like, everything wrong with Billy is in that one scene of Mm -hmm. like, he doesn't know how to work with people. He doesn't know how to respect people or treat people like allies because he's so afraid of getting betrayed or hurt again. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm obsessed with the idea that he's kind of like the architect of his own, like, you know, strife or like he's, he makes his own messes without even realizing it. I think. Sure. Yeah. I, I think the, the, the thing that's interesting about Billy and looking back at like where he started and where he is now um, in each of our sort of um, eras We'll call them. I mean, they're seasons, but, you know, in like season one, right, you have like Billy who is like pretending to be something that he's not. He's manipulating someone, manipulating a situation only to like reveal his true intentions at the end of the season. And then season two, he's like, I'm everything I've ever wanted to be. I'm on top of the world and I'm evil and doing my thing, blah, 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 blah. But also that's a facade. As well. And so now we're in season three and we're just starting to like meet like raw nerve Billy um, (laughs) of like what's under all of those facades. Um, And I just think Nick is killing it. I mean, he's had to play three essentially distinctive characters and also link them all together as one. Right. Um, And and he's been doing a killer job. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Just this moment 
the moment where he's kind of revealing that Nathan has like completely just taken control of everything mm-hmm. he can't really handle the monster that he has unleashed is a really phenomenal moment because he's been very desperate to do everything on his own like he has had complete control in his mind as he has been manipulating people and oops nope not anymore <laughs> well shit what do we do now i also just love that that billy has become like you know as soon as he gets power he becomes everything that he hates and has absolutely no realization of this like he is everything that he is accusing lorelei of being um, you know, what he did to Charlie is exactly what Lorelai did to him from his perspective, but he had no qualms about doing it to someone else. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's, uh, he's an interesting fellow, that Billy. <laughs> <laughs> so getting to some of the plot of World of Tomorrow, as, as the characters all realize that, uh, their, their evil doppelgangers are made from their own DNA and sort of, uh, faced with the prospect of this time loop, uh, Scott, I, w- I wanted to get your thoughts on sort of writing time travel in general. Time travel is just really hard to write. Um, and I- I'm curious to know how you approach it because this isn't even uh, a-, a time loop within a single episode. You guys have-, have tackled this before, but this is very, very large, has as widespread effects and covers multiple episodes in a long time period. And I'm just curious how, how you approach writing time travel like this. Uh, not easily. Um, uh, I, 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 um, I think that what was really important for us out the gate, um, was to establish what the rules of time travel are in this universe. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that having internal logic, that's the key. I think to time travel stories is having internal logic to your story. You don't sure. need to focus on all of this other stuff because then that's when it starts to get confusing. That's why the time travel and endgame doesn't make any sense because <laughs> they're constantly referencing like other time travel stuff. And it's like, well, wait, is, is it like that or is it like this or, or is it like how you said it was five minutes? Like, which which one is it? Um, and so we, we really tried to like um, we really tried to fight making any references to time travel stories. Sure. Um, I don't think we do actually like over the course of this if we do it might be like a throwaway joke that's like i don't know but we don't make a lot of play out to it yeah yeah yeah. and so we we tried to just really hone in on like what the logic of how this time travel works in our universe um and 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 uh uh sort of yeah just focus on that and then in terms of like breaking this story i have to say like the reason that this took so long um, and, and I, I'm aware of how long it took. It took us like three years, uh, to get here. Um, but, uh, part of that is because, um, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but I believe we wrote two episodes that we completely threw away, um, wow. that were in this, this part arc of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This part of the story. Cause originally this was one episode. Um, and we were like, oh, well maybe it's two episodes. And then we started writing the second half and then we were like, I don't think we like this. And we just <laughs> threw the whole thing out and started over again. Um, and ended up turning into a three episode arc, which is what we're in right now. Yeah. Um, the, the version and, that I remember yeah. is there was kind of like, in my head, I call it the James Cameron draft mm-hmm. where 
there's a version where we actually meet more McKinney citizens. Yes. And they're very like underground resistance. Like it's the watchdogs get back. And we have like (laughs) a, like a dark ride sequence basically where they're like leading the underdogs through the tunnels and the power couples chasing them. Yeah. And, Hmm. and then for some reason we hit a, we hit a brick and we hit a wall and we were like, you know, I don't think any of this works. And we like, we threw out. Yeah. I think what happened was like, it became too distant from our show. Mm -hmm. Um, And, it was like it was fun seeing these characters in this situation in this James Cameron esque like world, but but we, I think we got so far removed from what the show was that like we all felt a little uncomfy and we were like, is this really what anyone would want from this? Um, and so we just yeah we just threw it out and and started over and went back to the characters and to the story that we had been telling for you know 35 episodes at this point and 30 36 i don't know something like that <laughs> um and and uh and yeah and just started over and i think that's around when we did we redo that's when yeah yeah so so we so it started with the roof sequence and then it it escalated to like different places from there Um, And then we we threw all of that out and just went back to the roof. Hmm. And then I think that's when we created The Last Man to sort of Mm. replace the entire McKinney resistance. Um, We we, we turned the entire resistance into one dude Um, and and, and made him... Just one um, angry, radicalized dude. The last dude. Yeah, the last dude. The last dude. dude. Um, Yeah. So... um, so yeah, that's that's how that happened. And you know what? That is not the last time that would happen this season. Uh that we would <laughs> write an entire script and throw the whole thing out. Um that's uh that's happened uh at least one more time. Um this yeah, this season. That I can think of. Yeah. Well, at least I, one more time. I think that's so interesting because you know you you mentioned that it has been a couple years since you guys were were first breaking these episodes and obviously there was a break between season 2 and season 3, but one benefit that comes from having a self-produced show like this is you do have the creative freedom to backtrack and to throw mm-hmm. away a script. And um, I, I, I'm curious, uh, you know, to know more about sort of that creative freedom of being able to make such big choices like that. You know, if we were all working on a deadline or something, um, you would sort of be forced to live with the the consequences of your decisions. And, um, you know, I, I, I was surprised and, and interested to hear that, uh, you know, entire scripts were were thrown out and restarted, um, just to just yeah. for the sake of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it is freeing that we're able to do that. That we're in that situation. However, um, you know, while that is true, um, you know, we lost a lot of Patreon subscribers mm-hmm. during that time. Um, because they wanted new episodes now and they didn't understand what was taking so long. Cause you know, not everybody gets that. This is, we're trying to make the best story and we can't do this as a full-time job. And, um, if we want to do it right, sometimes we have to let ourselves go down the wrong path to figure out that we're heading toward a dead end. Um, and that's something that you can do in a writer's room that you're in for like eight hours a day, five days a week. Right. But we don't have that luxury. Um, And so sometimes we do our best and then find out that that isn't the right move. And so then we have to backtrack. And all of that is going to exacerbate how long everything takes. 
Um, and it's unfortunate and I feel bad because to me, the studio, right? The, the, the people want with deadlines, right? I, that is both like me internally in my brain, um, yelling at me (laughs) to like finish this, but also the listeners and how long we've made them wait for more episodes and how many of them have, uh, you know, likely abandoned us, um, because they just assume it's never going to happen. And, um, that's unfortunate, but, but like, yeah, it's, 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 it's unfortunate, but, um, it is what it is. And hopefully they will like check back in randomly at some point and see that we finally posted those episodes yep. and then be really thrilled with the results. Um, and maybe, maybe I'll hear from some of them. That would be really nice. <laughs> Um, if you abandoned us, I would love to hear from you again, uh, <laughs> just to know that you did actually get your ending, because that's really, ultimately, that is all I care about. Yeah, and I keep thinking about the listener who, like, a year from now is like, oh, hey, Geek by Night, and just listens to all of the final season, uh-huh. like, in a day or in a weekend. Yeah. And just like, pinches it, yeah. Be. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why creative people hate the binge model. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> you spend years yeah. of your life and they burn through it in eight yeah. hours or whatever. Does anybody else have any uh, thoughts or, or memories or anything like that having to do with this episode, World of Tomorrow, that they want to add? Yeah, I'd love to talk about the uh, the watchdogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the doppeldogs, as I'll now call them. <laughs> um, you know, it, go, going back to these these actors, when I was sitting down to direct this episode and I had, it was so much fun because, yeah, the underdogs are so cuddly and <laughs> empathetic mm-hmm. and nice and soft. And not, I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory way. And so just to hear, like, Ray and Simon just or Gretchen just be, like, jerks and, like, fascist <laughs> was was really fun. And I think I was a little worried of, like, oh, is this going to be confusing in an audio format, you know? And... I'm I'm totally biased because you know I, I I know every line and whatever, but I think especially I want to shout out Chris. Um, he recorded each of his lines like all the way through in like very specific ways. One was very um, like Matrix agent, hmm. like very slow and calculated and talking like this, um, <laughs> and then he recorded what I ended up using in in my head what I called uh, Evil Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> that is a great descriptor actually of the across. and it was great and i think it gave it gave that it gave i think the watch I, I really fell in love with the the watchdogs in this episode like there's something very anime about agent simon just, sure he's just kind of like that little <laughs> evil anime protagonist but yeah no i thought they all did a great job uh if that's all the the closing thoughts um well I do want to say I just want to I I want to I don't know not to shout out myself but I just want to I just want to mention that like um the opening scene the cold open of this and the uh rooftop action sequence when the last man ship arrives like all of that stuff that was like um I don't know. I was really proud of my sound design in those sequences mm. uh because I had never reached for anything that um crazy before in the show <laughs> uh and I really wanted to like show the listeners that like we had reached a new pinnacle of the show in terms of like like oh yeah like we're not 
we're not in a comic shop anymore. This is yeah. uh, right. crazy. Um, and uh, I'm just really proud of how that turned out. I'm like really proud of my sound design just in general this season. Um, and I think you'll hear more of that uh, next week and the week after a for lot. sure. Um <laughs> Uh, I was about to say, it's but, kind of a warm-up for what's coming down the Yeah, line. yeah, right, yeah. right, totally. It, but it was sort of like me wanting to make a statement of like, you know, this isn't this isn't your daddy's geek by night anymore. Um, <laughs> I mean, and, I think uh, really, this season is so interesting because of the fundamental loss of the central location of mm-hmm. the series. Uh-huh. Um, because in a way, the comic book store is its own character um true and having lost that we everyone has to now adjust around this empty this lack and i feel like you guys did a really good job of not only like taking that opportunity but taking it and like just running with it like you took off sprinting and did some really crazy cool things with this season and I it's, it's I just thought it was phenomenal and I was you know having known you for so long Scott like to see how much you had grown as a writer and a storyteller it's just been so delightful so oh, thank you Ray uh, with that I want to give a thank you again to all of our guests today Ray Scott and Nick for joining me and thank you to all of you the fans the underdogs for listening today. If you'd like to support the show, please join the Dueling Genre Patreon at duelinggenre.com support. You'll also get access to classic Geek by Night episodes, scripts, and other behind-the-scenes materials, as well as bonus content from some of Dueling Genre's best shows, including weekly episodes of Dueling Genre Tonight. You can also tell your friends, families, and followers to subscribe to Geek by Night on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this right now. Finally, if you like our show, please leave a positive rating for us on iTunes. Thank you so much for going beyond Geek by Night with us. Have a super day. Get it super because the super <laughs> heroes. But um, 